Hey, welcome to Hunter Sports Talk, the podcast version. It's not late, you know, what I'm getting ready to talk about, but I feel like a podcast is necessary. By the way, a website is coming soon. To all three people that are listening right now, hey, be sure to rate this on iTunes. It helps. And I go to pod. If you have any questions, go to Hunter Sports Talk at gmail.com. But I want to do a podcast tonight or today. Well, let me let me go with this. This is still a, a transition on what I want this to be, meaning that I'm leaning toward just talking about all type of sports in general. Uh, but I guess, you know, as I, I used to like all sports when I was younger. But as you get older, you know, you, and you have family and kids and a wife, you have to pick sort of allegiances where you can go all in on a certain sport. NBA is the sport that I go all in on where I can follow all teams, but I can do that with harder to do that with baseball and it's harder to do that. Not as hard to do it with the NFL or whatever. But the NBA is what, you know, I dive into. And the reason why I'm doing the podcast tonight, by the way, like I said, iTunes, any questions or comments or criticisms, Hunter Sports Talk at gmail dot com. But last night one th- good thing that the, that NBA TV does throughout the year, but especially in the summer, is that they'll show a bunch of old games. May, whether it's from this year or whether it's from, you know, 1982, 1983 or whatever. So get a game late last night, early this morning, where the 76ers were playing the Celtics in Game 7 in 1982. Dr. J, Andrew Toney, you know, Larry Bird... First year for Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale. Well, first year for Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale's coming off the bench and that was Robert Parrish. They weren't quite the substance that everyone grew to know. And, you know, Dr. J was coming toward the tail end of his prime. He was interested in looking at how they were running their offense through Andrew Tony. They lost the 3-1 lead. They eventually won that game, lost in the finals, but will win in the finals next year, the 76ers. But that's not the game I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the winning streak game that was broken with Chicago and what Chicago broke for Miami. And I'll talk about that in a second, but I'll talk about the finals a little bit. Hey, I'm you know, two months late. Hey, three months late. Not necessarily three months late, but you get what it, three months late to everyone that's listening. Let me start off by saying that LeBron is a beast. He's the man. When he came into the league, he didn't have a jump shot. And what San Antonio was daring him to do all series was to get a jump shot. He got a jump shot. He won the series. Let's go back to game six. That was, that's basically what happened in game seven. Game six. In order to be a champion or in order to be successful in anything that you're doing, you have to have a stroke of luck, a little bit of luck, in some cases a lot of luck. When you're up by five with 30 semi-seconds left like the San Antonio Spurs were, they did all type of saber metrics and all type of numbers on that. You know, they had a 98, 99% chance of winning, and that 1% came through, and Miami won the game. Go back to that a little a minute. People have been talking about that ad nauseum, you know, ever since it happened. And like I said, it's two or three months after the fact. But... Now, I don't think that San Antonio choked the game away by not hitting free throws with Ginobili missing one of two and Leonard missing one of two. I don't think that was a choke job. I just think that 
and Miami came through. LeBron missing shots, you know, in that last minute. And Ray Allen coming up big in that last minute. That's what championship championship teams do. We're, we we kind of get spoiled with the whole Chicago Bulls regime. People that remember that the six championships in eight years, because with the Bulls they weren't really challenged anywhere. I don't think they ran into a game seven really till till the tail end. Only game seven I can remember is when the last year they made it to the finals and won is the Indiana series, and kind of to a certain extent what. Utah that last year, but that team was running on fumes. And one can argue that, you know, they should have gave them as much time as they wanted to lose whatever finals. I think that was the best time to break them up. But they've earned, on the flip side, people thought they earned the right to stay together as long as they wanted to stay together. Fair point either round, but it's more of a romantic story when that team was basically broken up when they were at the top of the hill. People don't remember the Washington Wizards. Michael Jordan, and rightfully so. But with LeBron, that's what I want to talk about in particular today, is that either in the LeBron camp among you know the basketball enthusiasts, whether you're talking to a guy on the street or whether you're talking to a basketball expert that are doing columns or a radio show host or whatever, you're either with LeBron or you're against LeBron. There's no in-between. And I understand that because... In-between doesn't get you paid views. In-between doesn't get you paid. So you're either with LeBron or you're not. With LeBron, with me, in my opinion, you know, people have said, oh, he's wised up. He's mature now. You know, he's not the guy he was in 2010 when they lose losing to the Mavericks. Him being immature and him taking, you know, whatever personally when the fans did somewhat backlash on him. When he went to the Heat. A little backstory to that. From what I read, he was surprised that he got so much black backlash from various cities. He expected it from Cleveland. He didn't expect it from the entire NBA. Remember reading the story about LeBron when he was playing in Portland. And they were booing him. Like he was saying he was going to Portland. You can understand these cities that were kind of upset. The New Yorks, the, who else, Cleveland, Chicago, even though Chicago wasn't upset. But you can kind of understand why some of these guys were saying whatever they were saying. And in his case, he didn't understand the hate. And what he did in the middle of that year was embrace that villainous role and Dude's so good, by the way. Villain, you know, hero or not. He's so good that he can overcome either way and still be elite. They still made it to the finals that year. They lost to the Dallas Mavericks. Now, one thing you can argue with the Dallas Mavericks is that they were a better team. And some supposedly in game two when Dwayne Wayne posed in front of the Mavericks bench after hitting, you know, corner three. That supposedly riled up the Mavericks, and the Mavericks go go on and take the series. Dirk was awesome that year, by the way. But that supposedly made him whatever, made him LeBron riled up. LeBron doesn't play well riled up, evidently. He was going after his coach in subtle ways. He was just doing a lot of stuff that was supposedly uncharacteristic for LeBron, supposedly. 
And it wasn't. You know, the big thing that happened in that series was that Nowitzki was sick and he was playing through it. And they caught LeBron and Dwayne Wade on camera, you know, mimicking Nowitzki being sick. Oh, whoa, it's me. He's not sick for real. Blah, 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 which is amusing. And he's not taking this seriously. It was a narrative that was being told about LeBron. He's going to work out in the gym and he needs to, you know, improve that image. Here's the thing about LeBron. LeBron was a multi-time MVP winner at that point, from what I remember. He was the best player in the league back in 2010. But we get on hard, so hard on LeBron is, is because that we want them to maximize their talent as much as possible. We want them to reach the 100% threshold. Some of these guys do it. Some of these guys don't. It can be at your job. It can be in your marriage. It can be in relationships that you have. It can be whatever that you're good at. You're supposed to do the maximum that you can do. And a lot of us fall short of that. We're spoiled by Jordan. And we're spoiled by not Jordan not being in his Twitter era. People forget in the early, Jordan didn't win his first title until his eighth season, seventh season, eighth season in the league. He was in the league in 94, won his first season, won his first title in 91. So he didn't win his first title until for seven years. He couldn't get past the Pistons in three or four, three or four tries. Took him to third. I think they made each other. It wasn't. I think they made each other two or three times in the playoffs, and they finally got by him. And they got by him in decisive fashion, sweeping them four zero. But people forget people. A lot of a lot of fans and a lot of media was on Jordan Tail in the late eighties, early nineties, in the mid to late eighties. In the mid eighties, you can kind of understand because he's trying to figure out his way. But in the late 80s, early 90s, Jordan was supposed to win a title. He was the best player, the most you know, dynamic player in the league at that point. And he didn't win the title yet. And people were questioning him. And that's the same thing that was going on with LeBron. And people were saying, stop hating, stop hating on LeBron. You're just a hater. Let me tell you why LeBron was garnering some of this hate. LeBron has made it clear that he wants to be a mogul. What Jordan is. You know, Jordan has his name on video games, colognes, or whatever. Jordan is his own, his separate brand from Nike. Even though he's under that Nike umbrella, Jordan is that guy. That's what LeBron wants. LeBron wants to go to Australia, Belize, Brazil, and people know who he is. You're like an international star. Nothing wrong with that. What comes with becoming an international star is that your every move is critiqued. And that's what's happening with LeBron. That's what's happened. That's what's happened. That's what's going to continue to happen with LeBron. Every move has been critiqued. Every move will continue to be critiqued. And what I mean by he's the same dude to me. He's done the same stuff. He's cleared up a few sentences here and there, but he's the same dude. Watching the game when they were playing Chicago. And they were in turmoil. And again, it's not that he has to act perfectly or whatever. But he was getting all upset. There was one play where, well, during the whole game, it was a couple plays that stood out to me. He's going like a freight train down the middle of the court. Kirk Hyren's in front of him. He gets a steal or he gets control of the ball going to the offensive end. He's going like a freight train or whatever. And Kirk Hyren just holds him and pulls him down. And 
Heinrich bumps his head on the back of the court. He was all right, didn't get concussed or anything, but he was willing to take that contact. The next play was he was hit by Taj Gibson. I think he was hit low by a guard, but it wasn't, and supposedly an arm came across his shoulder. He really didn't appreciate that play. So initially they called it a flagrant, and then it was reviewed. Referees decided, hey, it wasn't a flagrant foul, which it wasn't. It wasn't a flagrant foul. So LeBron, you know, gets the decision, gets gets the, you know, whatever from the referee. And he's going to the free throw line saying, all right, all right, all right, all right. As if he was going to do something. Takes the free throws, comes down the next time down the corner on the defensive end. And he throws the elbow, the boozer, and he's called basically for a flagrant. flagrant. And Van Gundy and Mike Green was doing the game for ESPN. It was on a Wednesday night. And Van Gundy was like, oh, let them play. You can't let them play based on what's happened in the past. The brawl in the palace, Michael Jordan and the Bulls, you know, fight spilling over in the court, Trent Tucker getting into it years ago in the 90s. Look this up, kids. It happened. So to avoid that happening, they have to call the flagrants now because the way that you get to these players is touching their pocketbooks. They don't like that. And to control the game, they may be calling a little bit too tight. I'll be the first one to tell they're probably calling it too tight sometimes. But to avoid a situation like that happening, you can't have that. And knowing the way that Boozer plays and knowing LeBron, it's like high school with the NBA. Dr. J's promoting a book that's coming out later on next month. And he was saying, and they were asking him, I think when Fox, he was on an interview with Fox Sports 1, they were asking him, what did he think of the NBA today? He said, it's like a soap opera. You can turn it off for two weeks and come back and know exactly what's happening. That's what the NBA is. Dudes getting into it. Dudes fighting over chicks or whatever that they're fighting about. You know, team on top of team whatever. It is what it is. But my point with LeBron is, is that He's the same guy. He's just cleaned it up a little bit. When you win, people accept your behavior. A few days after the finals, he did an Instagram thing about this is for all my haters. And who can forget the great speech he made after they lost in the finals? Hey, at the end of the day, I'm going to be LeBron and you're going to be you. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to be great because I'm making all this money or whatever. He's the same dude. He's just winning. Nobody talks about the little Instagram for all my haters thing because he's winning. What can you say to him? He's a multi-time champion. Same thing when he's winning and when he loses that series with the Mavericks a few years ago. He's losing, so you just want to pile on. He's the same guy. Doesn't mean that he's bad. Doesn't mean that he's good. Just means that that's what he does. And I don't get the whole either you like him or you hate him thing. I don't think it's... You can like some of the stuff that he does. Or don't like some of the stuff that he does. When he's playing a, an elite team... he's not, Miami's not my team. He's not a player that I would necessarily... At this point in my life, I would follow. I was a big Allen Iverson guy. Big Allen Iverson fan. You know, God bless him for what's going on now. But underdog type dude. There wasn't any Twitter... There wasn't any Facebook. There wasn't the internet really being prevalent at this point when he's making his way in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s. But all I saw is that when he was on national TV every, every week or whenever he came on national TV, he played hard. 
I became a big Iverson fan when they went to the finals in 2001. He was great that year. It was a Harold Melvin and the Blue Nose situation. Look up Harold Melvin and the Blue Nose kids. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's a lead singer and his background singers. By the way, Harold Melvin was not the lead singer of Harold Melvin and Blue Nose. It was Teddy Pendergrass. Look it up. It's in the internet. It's in the dictionary. It's all right. So it was one of those deals. Guys coming together, guys playing hurt, and guys saying, you know what, we're willing to let him shoot 30 times a game for us to get the job done. I thought that was great. You know, come to find out when the internet comes into play, it wasn't the greatest teammate in the world, didn't believe in practice, just laid it out all on the court. Now, the reason why I won't get into detail about the other stuff that Iverson has done, he doesn't. He never emphasized that he wanted to be a mogul. He just wanted to be him, whatever that is. But he played hard every night. And like I said, the internet gets involved in it with me. And he's not the same guy he was, you know what I mean, he was five or ten years ago. But he's still a guy that, man, probably one of my favorite players. Probably still my favorite player. But I was reading an article that was written a few days ago about how you know, the guy looked, it was a guy that was saying he looked up to Iverson and he thought he was a good father, thought he was a good husband, and turned out that he wasn't. It is what it is. We all fall short. But at the end of the article, the guy says that, hey, I'll still stand up for Iverson as a ball player. And I'll still stand up for Iverson as a ball player. He had his flaws. I don't think Philadelphia management helped him. I don't think there was any boundaries there. But there are a lot of boundaries with a lot of these star players in, all, in any of these sports. So, that's another story for another day, but it is what it is, and they kind of let him run amok, and he ran amok, and those were the consequences. We're going to make our money off of you, and then when it's time for you to go, it's time for you to go. By the way, I was in X-Way's exit with Philadelphia when it was time for him to go. I, they tried to keep him, but he went a few games into the last season that he was there, and he was eventually traded to the Denver Nuggets with Carmelo. It is what it is. Back to LeBron. Again, same dude. Nothing's really changed. I can like, I have the right to like some of the stuff that he does. I have a right to not like some of the stuff that he does. But that doesn't make me a hate if I don't like this stuff. If you like the, here's the thing for all my haters, and you like the, some of the stuff that he says, more power to you. Nothing wrong with buying his products, but again, just the same guy. Nothing has changed about LeBron. He is what he is. But guess what he is? The best player in the NBA. One of the best, best athletes in the, in, in the world today. Probably top five best athlete. Usain Bolt comes to mind. But he's probably pound for pound, sport for sport. You know, it's a seasonal thing with track and field. And what I mean by seasonal, every four years we care about Usain Bolt. Or we care when he breaks a world record overseas somewhere, but at the end of the day, you know, LeBron's probably the most recognized athlete today. Good for him. One more thing I want to talk about before I ended this is when I was watching this game at 3 in the morning last night, there's a recipe which David Thorpe wrote about on ESPN.com on how to beat him in more detail. Some stuff I agree with, some stuff I don't. In order, and what I mean by him, I mean the Miami Heat. I don't think they're repeating this year. I don't think they're going to get there. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they did. You have three of the top 20 players in the league on your team. 
you always have a chance to win. Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron. The one way that you can beat them is solid front court play. You're not going to have a better backcourt than what Dwayne Wade and LeBron has to offer when LeBron decides to play the backcourt. To play four positions, by the way. You can probably cheat and play him a little less center if you want to. But you can't beat them pound for pound in the, in the, in the backcourt. By the way, Mario Chalmers is a very serviceable, above-average point guard. He can do a lot more than what he's asked to do, but because LeBron and Wade are there, you know, he's not asked to handle the ball as much, and sometimes he has to take, take difficult shots. He's good at that. But you have to be mentally tough to beat, to beat them as well. You can't be intimidated by the moment, or you can't be intimidated by the situation that they present every time that they're on the court, especially with this winning streak that they came to when they would play in Chicago at the stadium back in March in Chicago. Out of those 27 wins that Miami had, 12 of them were against over 500 teams or what we call playoff teams. I'm sure a Milwaukee win was in there. That was against an under 500 team. But they, Chicago wasn't taken aback by the moment. And they didn't have that, that roster full of that, that – their full complement of players. No one wasn't playing that night. Uh, Bellinelli and Derrick Rose weren't playing that night. Derrick Rose didn't play the whole season. So they went into it not being intimidated. Boozer, you know, had a big game. Say what you want about him. It doesn't make any sense to amnesty Boozer. He's an offensive force. I'm going to go with saying he's one of the top 15 power forwards offensively in the NBA right now. You just don't give that away. And one thing they did that Chicago did, and one thing Indiana was successful with when they were playing them. By the way, Indiana didn't have that full complement of players either. Danny Granger would have been important. And probably would have won the series if Danny Granger was there. But they were running a lot of their offense through the paint. Dribble penetration with Nate Robinson and Kurt Heinrich. And they were just passing the ball to Boozer and a couple baskets I saw from Nazi Muhammad. And then you got to have bench guys that you can steal minutes with. And what I mean by steal minutes, as long as you get your bench guys out there for 10 or 15 minutes, and the majority of them aren't a negative, bad things aren't happening. One thing I saw is Daquan Cook when he was out there playing with the Bulls. He was not helping, even though he had a basket. That's why he played limited minutes and probably only played because Bellinelli couldn't play. So you have to get at least a neutral from your bench. Nate Robinson was real big in, the game, in that game. 14 points, but wasn't intimidated by the moment. It was a funny deal when they interviewed him at halftime. They had the lead, and Chris Broussard interviewed him. He said, hey, do you, uh, do you think about this? Are you thinking about this 27-game winning streak? Not at all. I just want to win. See, inside story about Nate. Nate was looked at as a buffoon up until last year meaning that he was a locker room. You don't want to call it cancer, but he didn't take the, didn't take the process seriously of being a pro and being a professional. So late, Nate was just giving you some hearsay, giving you some media coach speak there so people get off his back. He earned a contract with the Denver Nuggets. I'm intrigued to see what he does this year, but 
Heck yeah, they cared about that streak. He played Luol Deng to the bone, played him basically every all minute, all the game except two or three minutes. Luol couldn't br- really breathe after the game. He had a big game. Two-way player. I just go back and forth on him whether he can be the second-best player on the championship team. He would be really good if he will be the third-best player on the championship team. But whatever. He came up big. He was the best player of the, on that team in that game that particular day. I don't know if you can ride him to the, to the, to the wheels fall off as him being your second or third-best guy. By the way, he had a spinal tap during the playoffs, which is crazy. I don't want to say he's on the brink of dying, but he was not in good shape. You having a spinal tap and having reactions to a spinal tap, not good probably. Not good for business. So your tough, tough, strong front court play, you know, decent back court play, obviously. But you can't be intimidated by them. He's the best player in the league. I can see how you can get intimidated. But if you're an NBA player, which is easier said than done, Hey, I put on my boxes one leg at a time just like he does. Why should I be intimidated by this dude? I should be. So I think that's the formula to beat them. And I also think that if they lose this year, and we've said it, a lot of people said this every year, what's going to happen to them? This is everybody's contract here. Bosh, Wade, and LeBron. I'm intrigued to see what happens if they lose this year. He's won his two championships. He's done his due diligence in Miami. Does he feel obligated to stay there for the rest of his career? Because that's what it will end up being. Or the rest of his prime, that will end up being if he ends up staying. I still lean towards that he's going somewhere else. And I think that's somewhere else is Cleveland. But I may be wrong. And I may be wishfully thinking. Not a Cavaliers fan, by the way. So, that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about. They could be beaten. Don't be intimidated by the heat. Easy to like the heat. And you don't have to hate or love LeBron. You can do, you can be in the middle on it. And here's another thing that makes me whatever about LeBron. I'm right around the same age as LeBron. I'm 33. LeBron's 27, 28 years old. We're not too far in age, but, you know, as you get older, you always say, my era was better. This is part of my era, but again, I grew up watching Jordan. Not saying, and obviously Jordan was a better player up until this point in LeBron's career. But, oh, my era is all, that's what old people always say. Oh, it was always better, all this sex and rock and roll and all this stuff. Whatever. The dude is elite. The dude is great. Can't say anything about him. But as far as personality and me wanting to buy products for this guy, I don't know about it. Says the person, by the way, that has some LeBron, you know, shoes. They're very comfortable, by the way. But just because LeBron's name is on it doesn't necessarily make me want to go out there and say LeBron. Jordan had that appeal. And LeBron somewhat has it now, but it'll be interesting to see as time goes on with LeBron what happens with that, what becomes of it. But that's all I have. Thanks. Reviews on iTunes. Make me a professional podcaster, please. And again, if you have any questions or comments, Hunter Sports Talk at gmail.com. I'm William Hunter. This is Hunter Sports Talk.